We are back with another edition of Varsity, the podcast. Justin Barney and Sponge Franklin. Can yo, you yo. believe it? We're already week four, week four, man. entering week five of the high school football season. Yeah, week four is done. It's, uh, it is flying the... by. We've got a lot to cover That's from last happens, week. Man. It always goes by quick, man. Once it, uh, once it starts rolling, you just uh, you just go with the flow and you wake up sometime in December. So we got a lot to, <laughs> to recap from last week, some pretty good games to talk about. And I think the one that jumps out the most, Sponge, is one that you were at. Take us through that Trinity 53 Clearwater International Academy. Wild 50. game, wild game. Uh, you know, I had to go represent my man, Coach Dormany, V-Man, you know, going for that 300th. And, uh, you know, I watched film going up into that game, watch, checking the Clearwater team out, and I'm like, they look good, you know, on film. They look like a physically sound team, just like a, you know, coached-up team. They're kind of like a AKA IMG Bishop Sycamore style. <laughs> they, uh, they have a few – they have a ton of guys who basically are not from – Clearwater they're from all over the place so going into the game I knew it was going to be a bit of a game I talked to you know some of the coaches when I got over there like yeah it's going to be a tough game and uh, it definitely lived up to it and you know you couldn't have scripted it better I guess if you wanted to have some uh, some drama you know for V-Man to get that 300th but it was a heck of a ball game a lot of just back and forth back and forth back and forth you know um Trinity was down big in that game, too. We were down, they were down like two scores early. They made a nice little uh, comeback right before the half. The, the thing that really killed them was they were going to – it looked like we were going to take the lead going into half. Uh, Clearwater punted. We muffed the punt. They take an extra score where it could have been flipped where we would have been going in the lead with halftime. But he got down. But the thing that came, you know, the second half, Clearwater had back-to-back fumbles on their first two drives of the third quarter. TC took major advantage of that. That's when they took the lead kind of, and then they kind of just traded scores, traded scores, traded scores. The funky thing about it was Clearwater had no kicker. So you knew they were going for two every single time. So you're like, okay, this is going to throw this is going to throw a wrench in it. You got to get a stop on one of these two-point plays. You know, you, do we go for two to try to, you know, get up like if, if you're going to be up by seven or eight and then, you know, just wound up being 50 to 50 going to overtime. And then the, the crazy part in overtime, you're like, you need to – Trinity had to go first, so you're like you always like to go second to see what the other team does. They held him to a field goal, took the three, and then Trinity's D came up big with the uh, four stops to you know get the victory, 53-50. But I mean, it was a wild, wild game. Colin Hurley is uh, continuing to grow up. The ninth grade quarterback, big numbers again for him. He was uh, what was he, 18 of 30 for 267, three TDs. Rodgers on the ground was big, had 30 carries. He was toting it for 172, three touchdowns. Talk to Trayon. He's looking to be back this week versus Lake City, which will be big. You know, so I, that offense now is starting to really click with the passing game. Rodgers has been carrying the load. Now you get Webb in there with it. It's That, that offense is looking good right now. So you're saying we haven't seen the best. Really, I don't think Trinity's probably but, seen the best of it. It kind of reminds me of the Jaguars offensive line. You don't play with the full deck of cards right. until the season opener. And, you know, Jacksonville went three games in the preseason without its starting offensive line. Your first time you're out with the, the full unit is that, that really that, uh, that first regular season game. And that's kind of like Trinity. You know, you're yeah. still missing some pieces. You don't, have, uh, you don't have Webb back in there yet. And we all know what he is uh, capable of. He's had so many injuries throughout his career. I don't think yeah, we've seen the best gonna, of him hopefully yet. Hopefully he's going to get, you know, healthy. And hopefully that hammy's good. But, I mean – you combo him and Rodgers together, you know, because Darnell, you could tell he, he gets a little fatigued when he's carrying it 30 times. That's a lot. You yeah. know, but he's he's toted the mail, man. He's been big. And, uh, you know, he's he's really helped out Colin, you know, by having that 
you know, back in there to basically help him out. But those last three games, uh, Colin has just been awesome. I think he has almost 900 yards passing and th- 13 touchdowns. That's pretty, you know. <laughs> pretty darn impressive. <laughs> and like for... I say, he's for guys who don't know, this kid is a 20, 20, he's a ninth grader. He's 14 years old. I mean, he's legit. He's got big offers, and he's just going to continue to get better and better. Receivers are helping him out. Ross has got a good game plan going. You know, defense has got to definitely step up because uh, Clearwater had a ton of yards in that game. So they got to they, points in that. Game. They got to shore up the, the stopping the run. You know, defensively, you know, Trinity's always had stout defenses. Not to say they don't, because Clearwater, I think, is a is a good team. You know, so the, the test will come as we see them play. You know, Lake City Bowls and you know the rest of the schedule, Riverside down the road and all that. But right now, getting Webb back. That offense looks like it could be pretty potent. And if they have to get in shootouts, that could be big because I think they can score a lot of points. Two games on that schedule that really stand out to me um, for Trinity. Bowls two weeks from now yep. is, is a one-two battle in the area and then Riverside late in the season. Yep. I know those two teams are supposed to play in, in the kickoff classic in spring or the spring classic, and uh, yeah, for whatever reason that game didn't uh, come to fruition. Um, but Riverside's defense has been phenomenal. So that'll be a nice matchup late in the season to see that Trinity offense. Hopefully Webb is healthy. Hopefully Hurley's still throwing the ball against Jaheim Singletary and those yep. guys at yeah, Lee. Yeah. I mean, that is a the collision. Lee's, Lee's defense is definitely uh, probably one of, is probably the best in the city, I would 27 say. points in yeah. four games yeah, for the Generals. They're shutting people down. They are clicking. And the other big thing out of that game, Verlin Dormany, career win number 300. They probably don't get much more dramatic than that. He's going to remember that one for quite some time. And, yeah. you know, talking about Verlin for a second, he's just the seventh coach in state history to hit that number 300 mark and pretty darn uh, impressive. So only three coaches have done that at the, you know, had 300 wins at one school. George Smith at Aquinas, Corky Rogers at, uh, at Bowles. He had 324 wins at Bowles, quite a few at Riverside or Lee before that. Mm-hmm. And uh, Bill Castle at Lakeland, he's still going strong. Um, so three guys, and now Verlin Dormany hit that 300 mark at one school. Verlin just the seventh in state history. Just a phenomenal accomplishment. You know, people see Trinity Christian now, and I've told this story many times. But back in, in, in the day, Verlin got started at Trinity. You know, they were back-to-back three and seven years. They went independent after that. This is not the Trinity team that people see now, and that's what I think is pretty impressive. Um uh, you know, he stayed there. I mean, they were they were in ball games with Hilliard and Florida mm-hmm. Def. I mean, this yeah. is not a <laughs> no. It was this is not you a go, Trinity you team. You go way back in those days, and uh, it was definitely uh, a struggle. But it was like a building process that he did. And you know, the the good thing over the time is you know he got some good players in there. And then you know, the, I think the great thing he always says is you know he's got good guys around him, good coaches around him. You know, the fact that you know when I was there for my ten plus years. You know, Ross and Gus, you know, those were two probably of his, you know, banner premier players, you know, were running his offense and defense. And, you know, that was during that big run we had, which, you know, that's that's awesome. And But he still has, you know, the, the guys on the staff are, you know, still former players. Was, you know, Fred Highsmith, defensive coordinator, he played there. Lamar Lewis, running back coach, he played there. Uh, Matt Hardy, assistant defensive coordinator, he played safety. For, you know what I'm saying? So, like, the, the guys who are there, you know, he, he has a lot of trust in them. You know, he lets them do their thing. And, you know, just it's a well-oiled machine, and it just continues to keep going and going and going. Yeah, I know, you know, people associate Trinity with, 
you know, and a lot of private schools with getting the guys from the area. I mean, you get you can you're at a private school, you can pull resource, you know, pull players from all around the area. And yeah, Trinity has used that, but you know, they again have had a lot of guys that are just blue collar guys over the years, and yeah. not every uh, kid. And I think that's a mis, uh, misconception. Same thing at Bowles. Um, that not every kid there is a four or five star kid. And I think that the backbone of a lot of those Trinity teams have been those blue collar guys. And, um, you know, talking to Verlin last week, uh, you know, he's quick to remind you that guys who come in this program, they're not all football players when they come back. They're accountants. They're, mm-hmm. um, you know, investment service guys. I mean, they're, they're the, I think the, the bulk of Trinity Christian, what they've done since Verlin's uh, been there 31 years has been those blue-collar guys, those work ethic. And, yeah, you've seen those five-star guys uh, congregate there and go there, Sean Wade, Kevin Tyler, Jeff Holland, those those types. Mm-hmm. But there are far more guys at Trinity Christian, far more guys in those uh, 300 wins that yeah, did not sprinkle, do anything. you got, you got to sprinkle in those guys who kind of just buy into what what they do. And, you know, when they do that, then you 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 know you sprinkle in the five stars, four and five star guys with the guys who really just have good work ethic, good put in all the time in the weight room, you know off off the season off field conditioning and all that stuff, and then the the system is in place, you know just it all just meshes well together, and that's pretty much why they've been so successful. Yeah, and I think you know Brian Braddock, San Augustine coach, told me years ago that the best thing you can do at a high school is put in a program that whenever guys graduate and leave you're not going to have these dynamic guys year after year after year I mean Trinity went through a time um, in the early 2010s where it was not as dominant as it used to be I mean yeah that was when I first when I first started coaching we didn't have any like we had a superstar in Andrew Bowie you know Pooh was the man but everybody else was kind of like those blue collar guys so like he definitely was the main leader on that team and he definitely carried the team and he was the guy who you know if we had to give it to him he was going to put it on his back and win games for us but you know those first years it was Rashad Knight Ahmad Christian and Andrew Bowie those those were now those are three really really good players but that's just three players and different teams you know and then it built over time after that with you know getting the guys like Jeff and Tolliver and Wade you know but just having those early guys basically just buy into the system if you have a system in place you know and the good coaches will tell you this that if you have a good if a system in place where it can cycle through year after year, and you're not going to have that blue chip talent every single year. And you can insert those guys and have that system run like an assembly line. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the only way to sustain success at a program is to have that foundation in place that no matter what happens year to year, the faces change, the system does not, and you still have that success. Now, that's a perfect world. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But, it's, it's um, not, yeah, if everybody a, could do it, they a would. Lot of, a lot of those coaches who've been here long term – um, have worked that. You got well exactly. Look at uh, look at my man Juice. You know when he took over at Lee, I mean it was bad. I mean I remember him getting be like eighty four to something by Ed White, and I was just like, man, OJ, what are you doing over there, man? Yeah. And slowly but surely, you know he, they're a powerhouse now. You know they are one of the best teams in Jacksonville. They're one of the best teams in the state. And like you know it took time to get there, but he got his stuff in place you know he gets good players there he, he coaches those guys up and they now they're one of the top teams yeah, in the city good, year in that's year a up. good good example um, at a public school too which is uh, very difficult to do um, you know in, in lee slash riverside um, we say this because oj was right. at lee quite a bit longer than uh, than than it became riverside um, but lee was terrible i mean he entered <laughs> as an interim coach had success 
and struggled his first probably three years yeah. in that job until finally something clicked. They made the playoffs one year, um, and ever since then, it has just been a steady stream of O.J. Small and his staff have a system in place over there. And, yes, they, they get transfers, but they lose a lot of transfers, so, too. Yeah, totally. Um, so I, I think Lee would probably be one of those – Riverside would probably be one of those schools where if you look at the transfer – out every year and you look at the transfers in it's probably a wash yeah. um you know in, in the the transfer kind of uh, scheme of things but that's a, a great example of a guy who's got a system in place and yes you get good players but a lot of your players are blue collar workmen like guys and they keep that system running so uh congrats to verlin dormany 300 wins nothing to uh, to laugh at i've covered a lot of those games including a uh, unforgettable one Frostproof in the state championship game in uh, '99, so that's uh, that is one of his uh, more uh, more unforgiving memories when they lost that game totally. 6-0, held Frostproof to negative yardage, yeah, that was and bad. Uh, and lost that state I think, championship. I think they might have just fumbled again. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, was, that was that's that was, a, uh, that was a memorable game for all the wrong brutal, reasons. So, brutal. Um, another a couple other games from last week: Creekside 20, Sandalwood 16. I saw that one was there to the end of that. And uh, Sean McIntyre and the Knights rolling along 20 to 16. Um, great play at the end of that game. Uh, they're facing a fourth and six deep in Sandalwood territory. They call a punt, a fake punt, and uh, convert on that. And they're able to run out the clock. If uh, I was texting Adam Geis after the, the game, the Sandalwood head coach, and uh, he made a joke, said, You missed that call. And uh, you may be looking for another job on uh, on Saturday morning or uh, Monday morning. So pretty good, uh, pretty good game there. I know those coaches were um, uh, friendly with each other and had some words after the game to uh, encourage one another moving on. So um, Creekside's best start ever, four and zero. Good season for Sean McIntyre. The Knights Fletcher and C four. They finally get their win. first win. win. Yeah, seventeen fourteen over he's Fleming been, he's Island. Been in some tight ball games. They finally got over the hump. I was talking to Ross at the Trinity game about, uh, you know, Seatric and, like, he, he, I guess he had spoke to him. You know, he's just like, yeah, man, it's tough, you know, trying to get these guys to buy into what I want to do. And, you know, he had some guys leave and go to other schools. But, you know, slowly but surely I think he'll hopefully implement what he wants to do, get his system in there. But it's good to see him finally get that W, you know, so now maybe they can get a few – uh, string them together and get a few wins. You know, yeah, I need to, to get that here. offense cranked up. Yeah. That offense, the defense has played yeah, well. The defense the offense, played pretty good. They haven't had a lot of points scored on them, but yeah, they definitely got to score because they've had some low-scoring, tight games. And Nice, thirty-five, fourteen. I know you've been high on uh, quarterback Marcus Stokes all year. He, he continues to uh, impress. Yeah, three He's, and one start for the Panthers over Atlantic Coast, who um, has been another surprise team this year. District game for Nice. They're two and zero. Oh. And district play so far for so Colin Drafts and uh, the Panthers getting back on the horse this year. They're off to their best start under Colin Drafts. St. Augustine 54, Middleburg 37. Good game for Brian Braddock and the Yellow Jackets. They cool off Middleburg, which was off to its best start yeah, in 11 years. Middleburg was hot there, huh? Yeah, Middleburg had a pretty good, still a pretty good start for them. Yeah. 37 points. That, um, hey, that's. I, I was surprised when I saw that number. I know they got 54 put on them, but to put up 37 on a St. Augustine team, you know that shows that. Hey, you're, you're doing something right on yeah, offense out there. In that's, uh, that is that is positive, uh, even though it was a loss for Coach Ryan Wolf and the Broncos. Still positive after so many seasons of uh, of just uh, irrelevance and struggles out there in Middleburg. And Ed White finally plays a game in what seems like it uh, forever. They played in week one and, and not again until last week. 40-24 over Swanee, a Swanee team that entered that game undefeated. Good game for Lawrence Johnson and the Commanders. They are 2-0. and so well, let's jump forward this week. We've covered a lot of ground from last week. Week five sponge, 
Throw me your four best games. Uh, my four best games probably would be Bartram at St. Aug. I think that, that looks like a good uh, St. John's County game. Um, I've got, obviously, Trinity Lake City, I think, is going to be a big game. Looking forward to seeing UC and Bowles. And uh, I kind of want to see what Reigns is going to do versus the Clearwater team that Trinity just played. You know, yeah, I know that's, that's a common opponent. You know, we obviously, Trinity played Reigns, so that was a tight ball game. Trinity just played Clearwater, you know, international, so... That's going to be a tough game for Reigns, I think, because the team is pretty good. So I want to see where Reigns is at from, you know, because they've had a few layup games, in my opinion. They've, you know, gotten off to a good start after that TC loss. But those are my four best games, you know, so I don't know what you got on your – Yeah, uh, I think we're, we're pro- similar. Probably Bartram, have a uh, Bartram St. Aug, I think that one is always good. That's that always series, a classic. That series is just still baffling to me. St. Augustine won the first 19, 19 games in that series. And I covered, I don't even know how many Bartram St. Augustine games I've covered. And they've always been classics in some way, shape, or form. And I've seen Bartram lose in the most heartbreaking fashions possible. Mm-hmm. And uh, they've, gotten, they've gotten on track, though. These last three years, they've won three in a row in that series. Um, a close game. Yeah, I, don't even know, I don't even know who I got in that game right now. Just looking yeah, at it on Tuesday. You know, I, it's, I think both teams are pretty good. And, you know, Bartram, you know, they lost that game to Tallahassee Lincoln, but they had a couple of nice wins against Rickards and uh, Columbus. You know, St. Augustine had the loss to Bowles. You know, I think both teams are pretty even. So I, just like Bartram's it's... offense, having seen them, their offense just looks like something is wrong. Something's not clicking Yeah, I think, I think it's they don't have that dynamic quarterback. Yeah. You know, not necessarily a dynamic quarterback, but a guy who they can really, like, they had the kid last year who transferred down from down south, and the kid could really throw it. Yes, yeah, Santino, you know, and then they had a, it, another quarterback, Brody Davis, right. so it was a, a two-QB system, and they broke. Which they've kind of been running a little bit since they had yeah. Joey and Riley. And, you, know, it's, I, like, you know, so I think that's probably what it is, you know, because they've got some playmakers, you know. Obviously, Weatherly's their best offensive weapon, in my opinion. You know, so I – yeah, It really seems like the, the, the strength on – for the Bears this year is on the defensive yeah, side of the which, ball. which kind of not normally is their it, M.O. It, yeah, it's, it's normally flipped where their offense is kind of uh, having to win these shootout games because the defense, um, you know, can't find a way to stop them. I've seen so many Bartram teams with just that electric offense, yet they would give up 50 points a game on yeah. defense or 45, something like that. So that's an interesting game. St. Augustine's given up uh, 30 points or more in the last two weeks. So uh, we'll see if uh, Bartram's offense can find a little bit of uh, – uh, kind of consistency against Yellow Jackets. I like Trinity Columbia as well. You mentioned UC Bowles as well. Always a good private school battle. Uh, UC beat Bowles a couple years ago in our yeah. uh, Bowles City yeah. Showcase. So um, interesting to see those guys get back at I, it. And then, I just can't see Bowles or I can't see UC stopping the ground game. No, and, and I then, I agree. And Bowles' defense has been uh, rock solid. I mean, they've just been on another yeah, level Yeah, defense this year. is pretty good. Um, like, definitely. Jack Pyburn and, and Hayden Schwartz, they've just been – uh, just clicking on, um, yeah, ever since that, that game against West Nassau, it's been a clinic for Bowles. Um, and then I think my fourth game, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to switch things up. I like the Nishiuli game, just to mention, uh, for the reasons we mentioned a few minutes ago, Marcus Stokes, we'll see what they can do. I saw Yuli last week against Parker. Defense played very well. Uh, so we'll see what uh, Nice can do is step up in defensive competition this week if Marcus Stokes and those guys can keep that winning streak going. And then Stanton at Parker. I know Stanton's not much of a contender, but I like to see Parker do something. I've seen them a couple times this season. They're 3-1. and one. Their offense, to me, has been uh, just an, an Achilles heel. They can't move the ball with any consistency. There's bad snaps on offense. And Parker's kind of a sleeping giant. I think if you could get that offense clicking, yeah. 
uh, um, that defense has played so well. And what really, really what's surprising about that, too, with Parker is you go back all the way to that kickoff classic week. They played Spruce Creek and Sandalwood, and they actually did pretty well offensively. They had, they had some big plays in that game, in the passing game. Uh, Doles, you know, hit some big plays downfield. You know, but if you're if you're basically having bad snaps, you know, bad penalties, you know, you're always behind the chains. You're just putting yourself in a bad position for, you know, you're putting the pressure all on your defense. So, like, I agree. Parker, let's see something on offense. Let's step it up. This even, shit, even against a team like yeah, Stanton exactly. where you know you're this, not going to. Well, this is where you basically can kind of work out some of those kinks. You know, you kind of can get your offense rolling a little bit, get into a little bit of a rhythm and, you know, do some things. So, I, hopefully against the Stanton team they can do that and then, you know, move forward. And I get like better. that. I, I just I like Parker's defense. Yeah, their defense is. I, I just stout. I got to see something offensive wise for them. Once you get into the crux of, of district play, you're going to have to put up some points. You can't. Their defense is not yeah, good enough to keep always, winning these. You can't rely on your defense to if you if you hold a team to 14 points, you got to somehow. You've got to do win something. Games. So I think uh, I think Parker, this is a chance this week to after kind of a, an offensive clunker against Yuley last week. I mean that one of their touchdowns was. After a, a punt that went over to the Yuley uh, punter's head and rolled to the one, you know, all they had to do was punch, punch it in, in from the one-yard yeah. scoring drive. And after that, struggle the rest of the game to get another touchdown. So um, I think Parker's got untapped potential. Roma Doles, he's one of the better prospects in the area, but mm-hmm. you've got to start stringing together some of that production in high school. I'm going to unveil our Super 10 this week. going to do a countdown uh, from 10 to 1. Um, not a lot of changes this week, so no. we've um, we've got a pretty stable crop. One new team in our Super Ten this week: Ed White making its debut. St. Augustine up a spot to ninth, number eight. Columbia pretty much uh, the same we had at the last uh, last week. Columbia in at number eight. Baker County at seven. Range at six. Creekside at five. Bartram Trail at four. Riverside at three. Bowles two. And Trinity Christian holding steady at number one. Those top. The top four teams have uh, have been pretty solid all season long. Just one loss between uh, between those four teams. Bartram's loss against Lincoln, as Sponge mentioned uh, a couple weeks ago. So pretty solid area teams. Um, that's going to wrap us up on football. Want to do a little bit more talk about some other sports this weekend. We have the Katie Caples Invitational, the cross country event that's uh, became an annual uh, an annual site on the calendar this year at uh, Bishop Kinney, the 23rd running of that event. I covered, I believe, the, the second event of that, so it shows you how long I've been doing this. Our Super 6 Volleyball, a lot of good teams there. Still Bartram Trail at number 6. Trinity Christian, they moved into our Super 6 last week. Providence at number 4. Mandarin 3. Bishop Kinney 2. And unbeaten Ponte Vedra Still holding strong at number one. Some commitment news around the area. A lot of uh, basketball guys committing this uh, this soon. Josiah Sabino of Orange Park, a big get over there at JU, committed there last week. He averaged 21 points a game. Was an all news for Jack's selection last season. And Oakleaf girls basketball star Talia Scott, one of the best basketball players in the country. She committed to Arkansas last week. So pretty cool uh, nomination or pretty cool. Um, Commitments there. She's a five-star player, probably the highest recruited player in our area since Rebolts Renaya Davis. And yeah. volleyball, Zeta Washington Jr. at Ponte Vedra. She's our All News for Jacks Player of the Year two years ago. She committed to Cincinnati, only a junior, and uh, she knows a little bit of something about uh, athletic prominence. Her dad, tennis star Mala via Washington. He was in the Wimbledon final <laughs> in 1996. So 
Sponge, let's buckle up. Get ready for week five. At yeah, next man. week, we're going to be talking. We're at the halfway point. Yeah, well, RPI crazy, playoff standings coming out, and um, we can start kind of maybe even kind of uh, getting a, uh, a ten thousand foot view of the playoff yeah, race and how that's going to look. Bit. Yeah, totally, man. I'm ready. I'm ready to get it going. Another Friday will be here. It'll be down in the books, and we'll be like I say, moving on to the next week. So, yeah. get out there. Go watch your favorite team. Go watch your local team. Go watch your team that you went and support these guys, man. You know, get the crowd, get the crowds up, man. Get this, you know. I love to support our local high school kids, man. Yep, I, I hear you on that. Where's the best place you've watched a game at? Where's the Where's the best setting in the area to watch a game on Friday night? In your opinion? If it's not Trinity, obviously, I'm not going to be biased on that. I would say, uh, you know, maybe like a St. John's County game or a Clay, you know. Clay usually has a good game when they have a, a bit when they're when Clay is up and they're playing another team uh, out there in that area. You know those games are always usually packed like Clay Fleming or something like that. Um, other than that, you know what's hard for the public schools is you know these early kickoff times now with the cha- time changes at six and six thirty, and then it's just you, sometimes you just don't get that full packed out house. You know going back to that Camden Oak Leaf game, you know. That game was at Camden. I could hear the raucous crowd in the background, you know, of all the highlight videos and stuff, you know. So those, those games are always fun and packed out. And just, when you get that atmosphere, it just it's it makes the game a lot more fun. Yeah, I agree. And to me, I haven't been to a game out there in a while, but Columbia was always a, a oh, yeah. favorite of mine to go watch. It's that small town exactly. vibe. Um, you mentioned Camden. That's a great place to watch a game. Um, Glenn and Brunswick is a good game, but years ago I went to a Valdosta game, and you know there's nothing think, like that. I think that small Valdosta is playing Lowndes this Friday. Yeah, so I've never so, been to Valdosta so, Lowndes game, but th- could, there's there's just nothing like a Georgia football Friday night. We just don't have that here. No, but I like the Columbia. I like the smaller town settings because you feel like McClendon's a good place to watch a game. Baker yeah, Baker County. County's always got a good crowd. Um, but those smaller settings are just a great place to spend a Friday night at. So agreed. For Sponge Franklin and I, Justin Barney, we will catch you next week as we enter week six of the high school football season. Thanks for listening.